Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 154. Can you imagine it? God, in His great sovereignty and His omniscience, saw down through the ages everything that needed to be done, and He did it. He put the people in place so that the events that would bring about the coming of the Messiah would be just where they need to be, just when they needed to be there. And so the journey continues. Now, I want to go back and recall for you two or three different events that help us to understand about the fullness of time when God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that we might be redeemed, that the redeemer would come and would buy us out of the marketplace of sin and allow us to be his own children. And so the Bible says in the fullness of time, that means when God got everything ready and there was a lot of preparation to do, even as far back as Genesis 15, God in his great love and mercy showed that he was not just concerned for the Jewish people and the promises he made to Abraham, but he was concerned about those who were wicked and ungodly worldwide. Now, in the book of Genesis chapter 15, when God made that wonderful covenant with Abraham, that great ritual of the blood ditch, and he said, you will be strangers in the land for 400 years, and then I will bring you back out again. Now, it's interesting that God gave a divine commentary on why he was waiting 400 years. He had already set a time limit, 400 years. As you'll recall, when Jacob and the children of Jacob of Israel went down into Israel, they only numbered around 70. Joseph had been sent ahead in the providence of God, and what those brothers meant for evil, God turned into good, which, by the way, he always does. The scripture says that when it was time for them to come out, it was the time not only for Israel to come back in and possess the land, but the scripture says in Genesis 15 and verse 16, God said, but in the fourth generation, they shall return. That is speaking to Abraham about his grandchildren and his great grandchildren and so forth. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Isn't that an amazing statement? That God would be interested in a heathen people? Yes, because God is the God of the whole earth, according to the book of Isaiah and many other prophets and teachers in the word of God. You see, God's not just concerned about Israel. Yes, Israel is God's prized possession, and God created them supernaturally for a particular task and assignment. But the reality is God loves the whole world, and he 
was concerned about the Amorites. They were a wicked ancient people. And when you talk about the Amorites, you're talking about the people who lived in the land of Canaan and the land in between Asia and uh, Africa, what we call the nation of Israel and Jordan today. They were a wicked people, but God was merciful. They had been in the land a long time before Abraham ever arrived. But now God says, I'm going to give them 400 more years. Often people will say to me, now wait just a minute. God's going to have to destroy America and judge America. Well, of course, God is going to judge America. But let's not presume upon God's mercy because God is a merciful and long-suffering God. And we have great light, so we have great responsibility. But the Amorite people, when you study and research their history, they were a wicked and ungodly people and doing all the things that we do today. And God said, I'm going to give them 400 more years. So God's mercy is great. And if there is anything that gives me hope for the future of America, it is that God may spare us and grant mercy to us, but he will only do that as we pray and seek his face. And so that's just a sidelight for us today, that God has been merciful down through the generations of time to people that are as wicked or more wicked than we are. We have just been given great light, so we have a greater responsibility. But the scripture says that God brought the children of Israel back into the land, as we talked about yesterday. As they had been in the land of Egypt for 400 years, they had in many aspects forgotten about sacrifice and worship because they would not have done that. They had strayed from God, even though there was a remnant that was continuing to pray and seek the face of God. And the reason we know that is because God told Moses, I have heard the cry of my people. So it might not have been the entire nation that was groaning and crying out to God, but there were enough that God heard them and God listened to their prayer and sent Moses. After all of those years and generations, God had not forgotten his people, but they needed to learn how to worship him and how to approach him and how to enter into his presence. And so that's what we talked about in podcast 153 and that God had to teach his people to worship. And that's exactly what he asked Moses to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they can come into the wilderness under this mountain where I'm speaking to you, that they may worship me. Now, you will sometimes see that translated, serve me. But worship and serve is the same concept. Worship is not just lifting our hands and praising God and dancing and shouting. No, worship is serving God as well. It's active. It's demonstrative. It is serving the Lord in the totality of our being. And so God let the people wander around after their disobedience for 40 years, and then he brought them into the land. And when they came into the land, after a period of about 25 years, Joshua divided up the land. And the tribes were allotted portions of an inheritance that God had promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. There was a tribe called the Levites of Moses and Aaron. They were of that descent. They did not receive an allotment like everyone else. They received the cities because they were to be the priests that represented the people to God and God to the people. And so they had cities scattered throughout all 
all the land. And Joshua, being of the tribe of Ephraim, he went to the center of the land, a place called Shiloh on the ancient patriarchal highway that's still there today. And he set up the tabernacle in a more permanent way. They actually built a foundation and he built a gate, a more permanent gate. And they have found that today in Shiloh. And if you go with me to Israel, you'll be able to see that. It's a wonderful place. They're finding things there almost weekly, certainly monthly, as they dig into that wonderful city of Shiloh. But Shiloh was the capital for 369 years as God prepared his people through that period of the judges for the united monarchy and ultimately for the tribe of Judah to rise to its assigned role, assigned role all the way back in the closing chapters of Genesis when God said that the scepter would not depart from Judah until Shiloh, until whom it belongs, really arrives. And so God had prepared this all along and he was preparing his people at Shiloh to one day ordain and consecrate one from the tribe of Judah and we'll be introduced to him in the next podcast, the kingly tribe of Judah. I pray that God will help you during this season to realize that he is in control and that history is really his story. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.